This morning, we continue our series, Trusting Your Father's Heart, and this is part three of that series. We have been talking about prayer for quite a while because its place of importance in the life of a Christian cannot be overstated. Someone once said, to be Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. For our study, we have looked at Jesus' prayer prior to his crucifixion, and for the past few weeks we have been meditating on what is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. I want to begin by reading Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 7. Matthew 6, verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Today we deal with the petitions that are often the most difficult to sincerely pray and apply to your life. And those petitions are, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And these petitions are difficult, not because they are hard to understand or grasp, but because we don't like to be told how or what to think, how or what to say, or how to behave. You want what you want, and you want everyone else to live for what you want, as if what you want is the highest and greatest good that exists. You like to rule your life and answer to no one else but yourself. The fact that we all have this propensity for autonomy is an anomaly. Ironically, however, admitting this moral abnormality is the first step to true freedom. Freedom is not living however you choose but living for God's will and His glory in response to His gospel. So, we begin with the proper response to the reality of God's sovereign rule. John the baptizer and Jesus both preached, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The first step in genuinely praying, Your kingdom come, is repentance. It's recognizing you are not the king, not in charge, not making the rules, but admitting you want to be king. You want to be in charge. You want to make all the rules. God's reign always comes in the person and work of Jesus. And you are being commanded to admit and quit your desire to be your own God. And rather, 
bow to the one and only true God in order to do his revealed will. Herod had a big problem with the true king, and so do you. When you buy an automobile, there is a reason why you sit behind the wheel. It's your car, your purchased property. You have every right to command your car as you please. Well, according to the rules of the road as well. God made you, and Jesus bought you with his blood. He owns you and has every right to rule your life and tell you what and how to think and speak and act. This doesn't make you a mindless machine. It makes you a grateful, humble, and willing servant. It makes you like Jesus. It makes you free. Jesus said, How happy, how blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be poor in spirit, as you know, is to recognize that without God, without Christ, you are bankrupt spiritually. It is admitting that you can do absolutely, positively nothing good apart from Christ. A lot of people don't want to believe that. God created you to bear fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, but because of your sin, that is an absolute impossibility. And you need the true King, King Jesus, to change you and fill you with His Spirit and empower you to reflect His character and likeness. You need King Jesus reigning over your whole life. You need direction, protection, and correction. We all do. You can't enter God's kingdom without His provision and direction. When you admit your desire to reign, but also your desire to throw down your crown and come under Jesus' reign, you receive from Jesus perfect righteousness. And when you do, you also receive Christ himself alive and living in you, leading you to cheerfully live for God's will. And this gracious gift of righteousness results in a hungering and thirsting for righteous living that exceeds the self-righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees and permits you to live under the privilege of God's reign and enter into his eternal kingdom. Living under God's reign and according to his will will not go unnoticed in this world. This effect, like turning on a light in a dark room, or a flashlight on a dark night in the woods leads some to give glory to your Father in heaven, to hallow his name. Therefore, praying, your kingdom come, your will be done, is also asking that others might throw down their crowns and come under the rule of Christ, longing to be ruled and reigned over by him. This is God's world, and you should desire for others to know God through Christ and bow their knees to Him. By praying, Your kingdom come, Your will be done, you are by definition asking your Father to make you a witness in word and deed to the gift of Jesus' blood and righteousness so other people might also be free indeed.
On the other hand, genuinely praying, your kingdom come, your will be done, and pursuing these things will lead to opposition. Jesus said, how happy, how blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you truly want to live under Jesus' authority and do his will from the heart, you are going to rub many people the wrong way. You know, there is no record of Abel ever saying anything to Cain about his sacrifice. But Cain, it is said, murdered Abel because his own deeds were evil and his brother Abel's were righteous. Sometimes just your presence bothers people because they know you know God and they don't. Your obedience is quite often a threat to their crown. It is just like Herod all over again, being confronted with wise people who announce and want to worship the true king. In these circumstances, you must remember Christ is in total control. It's not so much that he can do something, but that he is determined to exercise his sovereign reign in the circumstances of your suffering and endured persecutions. He is going to transform your character. He is going to equip you to minister more effectively and extensively. He is going to show you how sufficient is his grace and power. He is going to demonstrate to you, in you, and through you, how absolute is his authority and how untouchable are his benefits given to you. Even your persecutors will eventually have to admit that Jesus actually is Lord and that you really are loved by him and they will certainly be destroyed by him unless they turn and believe in him. All of this is an exercise of Jesus' sovereign kingdom. The reason why we are looking at the petition, your kingdom come, along with the petition, your will be done, is because in many ways, wherever God's will is being gladly done, it is there that his kingdom has come. In Luke's account of this prayer, he does not even mention your will be done, because he understands God's will being done is but the outworking of God's kingdom having come. Just like the thought of Jesus claiming absolute authority over all your thoughts, words, and deeds, the daily duty to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, to not be foolish, but to understand what is the Lord's will and pursue this can be daunting. However, your Lord has not left you without the means of grace, so you'd long for your Father's will and not your own. The most obvious means of grace is His Holy Word which clearly communicates what he wants from you. To pray your will be done is to ask your Father to use your Bible reading to teach you, rebuke you, correct you, and train you in righteousness in order that your life would be conformed to Jesus' character and style of living. God has also given you his Holy Spirit dwelling inside you. 
It is the Holy Spirit. He is the one who creates in you both the desire and power to live a life pleasing to God. You read about this in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. We are commanded to walk by the Spirit, which in the first place means to glory to glory in and to boast in Jesus Christ crucified for your sins. It means to glory in Jesus' love and sacrifice for you. That's what it means in the first place to walk by the Spirit. What else on earth would lead you to offer your whole body and being genuinely as a living sacrifice to God, but His mercies revealed in Jesus Christ? And when you, when you do offer your body to God this way, the Spirit of God produces in you and brings out of you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The mercies of God revealed in Jesus Christ are what lead you to reject the worldly way of living and to be mentally renewed by the Spirit and Word in order that you might know and do what is God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. This is so primary and essential to grasp, for Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Notice it says the one. It seems like it would say the ones, but it says the one because often to do God's will, it means that you have to stand alone. And you have to be willing to stand alone doing God's will when everything and everyone seems to be against you. Think about Joseph, rejected by his brothers, down in Potiphar's house. I'm sure they didn't have church service in Egypt at the time or synagogue service. But in many ways, Joseph had to stand alone and stand for the will of God in spite of the environment and circumstances and the community he was in. The same thing is true of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The same thing is true often in the life of Esther. There's so many different examples you could give. But it's the one who does the will of my Father, Jesus says, who is in heaven. On that day, Jesus says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Jesus calls them lawless, not interested in the law of God. Not interested in loving God is what that amounts to. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Notice that these people never say, did, did we not suffer persecution in your name? They don't say that because often that becomes the litmus test. Just like Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There are quite a few Christians praying, Thy kingdom come today because they believe we are living in the last days. 
and Jesus is going to come at any minute and rescue us from any further suffering. Well, what if he doesn't come in your lifetime? Are you going to feel slighted? Is it enough for you to gladly live under his authority and do his will and die and not be the generation that gets caught up to meet him in the clouds? Are you content with simply building on the foundation Christ has laid down without seeing in your lifetime the finished product or even the fruit of your labors? Your Father wants you to be faithful and trust His heart in all things. That's what He's interested in according to this word He gives in Matthew 7. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He's looking for people who will faithfully do the will of God, who will faithfully live under his authority and leave the results and the future up to him. That's what he wants from us. Faithful covenant love. A grateful response to the gospel he has achieved. You should long for these petitions, along with the first one, hallowed be your name, to be done, as it says, on earth as it is in heaven. Sometimes we simply take thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but on earth as it is in heaven is related to hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. All these things, may they take place on earth the way they happen up in heaven. In heaven, as you know, Nothing impedes the worship of God. Nothing impedes the kingdom of God or the will of God. And I'm thinking of the revealed will of God. I mean, nothing impedes the will of God, period. God does whatever he chooses in the army of heaven and on the, over the inhabitants of the earth. But I'm speaking specifically of the will that God has revealed, uh, the law that God has revealed, to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. On this earth, that's often disobeyed and rebelled against and forgotten. But in heaven, those things are never impeded. They happen all day and all night, if there is such a night in heaven at this time. But they happen all the time. And that's what we should be praying, that, that it would happen on earth the same way it happens in heaven. That we would constantly be growing in submitting to the will of God and pursuing his kingdom as he uh, extends it and pursuing his will. There's always room uh, for growth in these areas in our life. We never re per reach perfection in this life, and so there's always a place for growing in pursuing the kingdom of God, coming under Jesus' authority and doing the will of our Father. In heaven, these things are gladly, zealously, sincerely carried out and accomplished. When you truly consider the gift of your Father, namely Jesus Christ, and when you consider the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and the gift of his righteousness to you, to be able to be presented faultless before his presence with exceeding great joy, all of your salvation accomplished, you long, don't you? And it's not burdensome. 
to say with Jesus, Abba, Father, let your will be done, not mine. Jesus delighted to do his Father's will because God's law was in his heart. God's historical record of his steadfast love and sovereign lordship was rooted in Jesus' heart. How about you? Is God's record of the gospel and his goodness richly dwelling in your heart? Do you find yourself regularly singing melodies to the Lord in your heart? Are you thankful without having to work hard to be thankful? Are you ready and raring to share Jesus and his love with others? See, this requires a real devotion, a real fellowship with God to be able to say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth the way it's done in heaven. To really want that, to really desire that, we have to see the face of God in Jesus Christ as, 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 the, as, as he's seen in the scriptures. We have to be people who are richly indwelt with the word of God, richly indwelt with Jesus. Is that true of you? Are you ready and rearing to share Jesus and his love with others? The hymn writer put it this way, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. You know this song. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. That means ready to proclaim the gospel, according to Isaiah 52. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of them who bring good news, who announce salvation and peace, who say, your God reigns. Take my voice and let it sing, let me, let it, let me sing always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it thine, it shall be no longer mine. Take myself, and I will be ever only all for thee. Is that your prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are you waiting for heaven to do God's will and to see his kingdom come? Well, we're called to pursue it right now in this life, on this earth, we're called to pray it, to look forward to it, and to pursue it with all of our heart. Only the Spirit of God can lead you to glory in Jesus Christ, in his love for you, in his sacrifice for you, in his life given up for you. Jesus Christ, his lordship and his love is the chief motivation for pursuing the kingdom and for doing the will of God. He's the one we have to fixate on. Christ and him crucified, crowned and glorified. He's the one who changes us from the inside out by his spirit and his word. May his kingdom come, may his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, 
in your life, in mine. God bless you.